this week on Hope for the Broken. You don't think God will go into the enemy's camp? He will go into the enemy's camp because he's got nothing to fear. He's king of king and lord of lords. Nothing to fear. He will go to battle with you. He will go to battle for you. He will go to the battle before you. All you got to do is make a decision and come up here and say, God, let's start this. Let's just get it going. This is what I have in my life. And see all this junk? Now help me. We're going to have revival if you do that. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we continue our series called Life Lessons. Let's hear from our guest speaker, Paul Newby, with part eight titled, Revival. The theme or the title of the message this morning is Revival. And I appreciate the the band, the worship team. Uh, Everything was centered around that that very subject of revival. Raise your hand if you think you would like for this church to experience revival. Every hand. I tell you, I am right there with you. Do y'all believe the world needs revival? I believe the world needs revival. Revival starts in the home, but revival can start right here this very moment at Trinity Baptist Church. Um, I want to pray real quick, and then we'll get right into God's Word. Father, I pray for divine help this morning. I pray that you anoint me to be able to do it. I pray that you anoint the hearts to hear it and receive it, and that you get all the glory out of this. Father, accomplish your will in our hearts and lives this morning, Lord. Do the work in us, Lord, and let us go forth as firebrands out into this world to show people Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so let me just start start talking, first of all, about the very word revival. I want to share with you what the word revival means from the dictionary, okay? This is is what the, the dictionary says revival means. The state of being revived to return or to restore to consciousness or life. Become active or flourish again. To restore from a depressed, inactive, or unused state. To bring back. I have an example of, uh, of what I want to uh, share with you this morning that is a very clear example to me personally about a revival. We were privileged uh, last year to have Trinity to come and, and to be a part with us in, in our mission work. And while we were there, uh, it, was, uh, it was a wonderful experience. The last day there, we all had to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to catch the little bus thing to go all the way to the airport. And it's, it, the last day there is kind of a bum day, right? Those of you who have been there, y'all can amen me, amen me if you want to. It's, it's, you got to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. It's a horrible, bumpy ride and everything. Well, 4 o'clock in the morning everybody was there except for stephanie chambers i won't tell you something stephanie chambers is one crazy gal those of you who know her know what i'm talking about you never know what she's going to do 
And so everybody's there. Well, then here comes Stephanie. She came in the front door. She didn't make eye contact with anybody, walked right by everybody. And this is what I faintly heard her say. I'm sick. And she looked at, I mean, she went past it. She went to the bathroom and we're like, oh no, God touch her. And, and she came out of the bathroom, the downstairs bathroom. She came out there. And do you, does anybody know what Medusa looks like? Medusa, she's that mythology creature that's got the snakes coming out of her hair. You know, and, and she's got red eyes and got needle teeth. And, and if you look at her, you're turning to stone. That's what Stephanie looked like when she came out of the bathroom. And, and, and you could tell by looking at her, she was the walking dead. She was, you, she was sick, sick, sick. Long story short, everybody had to leave without her. She stayed in the house. Kay uh, took care of her, started an IV on her, gave her, I don't know, one or two liters of fluid and, and gave her Finnegan and, you know, and, and just started doing all that nursey stuff that nurses do. And, uh, and, and Kay took her upstairs and put her in bed and fluffed her pillow and, you know, had the IV hanging, all that kind of stuff, took care of her. And, and, and we didn't hear from her. How, how many hours was it that she was up there? 18? 18 hours. And I'm downstairs. I'm like, she's she dead. Stephanie Chambers died in Honduras. What are we going to tell Justin? And, and so finally, finally she revived. And so I was there to witness what it looks like to see a dead person come to life. And that is, that is exactly what we're talking about with revival, except on a spiritual level, on a spiritual level. Are you sick spiritually? I don't know. I'm not here to answer that. But there's two individuals that knows the answer to that question. You know who those, those two people are? It's you and God. You and God alone can answer that question. Are you well or do you need help spiritually this morning? Now, in chapter 4, Brother Chris, uh, some weeks ago, he talked about when the ark of God was captured uh, and, um, uh, or not captured, it was before it was captured, the, the, they, they called for the ark of God to be there to help them in battle. And remember what Pastor said, Pastor Chris said that they were relying on what? Superstition. Because they were putting their faith in the object of the ark rather than the subject of who dwelt above the mercy seat on that ark. People, if we ever put our focus and attention, energies and efforts on anything other than the person of Jesus Christ, we're wrong. We've got it wrong. We've got it backwards. What, do you, what am I talking about when I say a subject? Well, I have done some homework for everybody. Let's look and see what the word subject means according to the dictionary. The word subject means, um, um, where is it? Yeah, a person or thing that performs an action. A person or a thing that performs an action. God is not an object. God is alive. God is the subject of the message that we're preaching about this morning. We sometimes, I've used that plural pronoun, we sometimes put things in our lives 
not intentionally, but it just kind of ends up being there that we put things ahead of God. Anytime we do that, folks, we've, we've, got, we've got it backwards. God has got to be the number one in our life. And speaking of number one, do you know what God's number one desire is? God's number one desire, it's you. You say, no, it can't be. That's, <laughs> that's, that, that can't be the right answer. How, how, how can I possibly be God's number one desire? I want to show you, I want to teach you from God's word. The answer that I'm sharing with you is absolutely true. And very quickly, I'm going to do this. Is in the beginning, in, in, when, when God created the heaven and the earth and he created all the things, that, all the animals and trees and all the things, uh, and, and then God made man and from man he made woman. And what was it that God did every day in the cool of the day? What did God do? He walked in the garden with man. Why did God do that? Because he wanted to. God didn't have to create man. He desired to create mankind. And after he created mankind, he wanted to fellowship with humanity. But one bad thing happened. Sin entered into the world, and sin separates. Man was cast out of the garden. There was no more fellowship. There was no more walking in the cool of the day, God talking with Adam and Eve. That didn't happen anymore. But listen, before the foundations of the world were even thought of. God had a plan in His only Son, Jesus Christ. And what did He do? He came to this world, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You are His number one passion. You are. He said, I've got too much junk in my life. I've got too many things going wrong. I've got this. I, 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 you know, I, I do this. I've got this thing in my life that I'm not proud of. And, and I'll pray and I'll get victory over it. And I'll, I'll, I'll shout hallelujah because I've got it all together. And then I turn around and I've done the same thing all over again. A lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's this. It's like, oh, I've got the victory. Oh, no, I've, I've messed up again. And God can't be in love passionately with somebody like that. Oh, yes, he can. He loves you so much regardless of your junk, regardless of my junk. He loves you so much that he would kill his only son. That's how much. It's Bible. So what does that have to do, Brother Paul, with the message? You say, I'm still in my introduction. <laughs> I'll get to the message here in a minute. You're thinking, when's this dude going to get into the chapter? Just be patient. You have to allow me just a moment to talk to you about the Ark of the Covenant. Because this, in chapter 7, is what we're talking about. The, the central focus here is the Ark of the Covenant is coming back home. Where's it been? Oh, it's been captured. The Philistines had it. In, their, in, in their, their house of worship, their temple, and you had Mr. Sardine Man, Dagon. Y'all remember that, right? He's half man, half fish. What, what happened to Dagon? Fell down, broke to pieces. A false god cannot stand before a holy god. No kingdom of darkness nor, nor any imp 
of Satan's soldiers, his demons, can stand before a holy God. You want help in your life? Call upon Jesus. You need protection? Plead the blood. He will come to your aid. He will come to your rescue. And that's what we have with the ark. You see, above the mercy seat, which was that thing that was on top of the ark, you see the mercy seat, the mercy seat was 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. That was the ark of the gun. It was solid gold, solid gold, two inches thick, had wings of cherubims just coming together over the top of it. And in, in Exodus chapter 25, I want you to, to, to uh, turn in your Bibles if you want to, or you can look on the, the screens. But let's see what it says here in Exodus chapter 25 and uh, verse number 22. It says, and there I will meet with thee and I will commune with thee from above the what? Above the mercy seat. From between the cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. God says, Moses, I'm going to give you instructions about this ark of the covenant thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to show you where I'm going to live. I'm going to dwell. I'm going to abide where I can meet with you and commune with you and have fellowship with you. And that's above the mercy seat. That's where I'm going to hang out. There's another, there's another scripture I want to share with you, and it's, it's in Numbers chapter 7. Numbers chapter 7, in verse number 89, again, I'm sorry, this is King James. And when Moses was gone into the tabernacle of the congregation to speak with him, then he heard the voice of one speaking unto him from off the mercy seat that was upon the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim, and he spake unto him. You see, the object was captured by the Philistines. The object was captured, but the subject wasn't. You can't put God in a box. God is omnipresent. God is right here, right now in this very sanctuary. God is here. If you believe that, raise your hand. If you believe God is in this place, raise your hand. He's here. Why is he here? That's the question. Why is God here? Because he wants fellowship with you. His number one desire is you. What do you mean he wants me? He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants every molecule of you. He wants every thought, every passion in you. He wants it for his glory. The question is, is, are we giving that to God? Only the Holy Spirit can, can help you with those thoughts today. God will always be victorious. Remember in chapter 6 last week, last Sunday, when Brother Chris was talking about uh, the, the ark was put onto a cart and they put two uh, milk cows onto the front of the ark, and they, they, they set them loose, and the, and the cows weren't, went lowing, it says. And King James says they went lowing as they, as they went uh, towards Israel. And those cows, as they were going back home, carrying the ark back home, carrying the Shekinah glory above that mercy seat back home, the cows were making an announcement. God's coming back in. God is coming back home. They were announcing. What do you think got the Israelites' attention as they were thrashing wheat? 
It was the cows. They said, what is that? Oh, it's those milk cows. What are the, whose cows are those? What are they carrying? And they saw the sun hit the wings of those cherubim. And they said, I can't wrap my mind around it. That's the ark. That is the ark coming home. And the cows were making the announcement. And the people got excited. If God was to personally, visually appear right here in front of you this morning, how many of you would get excited? Oh, my heavens. Listen. He's here in the form of His Spirit. He wants to be at Trinity. He wants to be in your heart. He wants to be in Mount Pleasant. He wants to be all over Titus County, the state of Texas. He wants to be in Honduras. God wants people's hearts. If I didn't believe that, my wife and I wouldn't be missionaries. Revival. Well, the Bible gives us two examples that I want to share with you about revival. One of them is found in 1 Kings chapter 17. And there's, there's a lot of scripture here, but, but let's, l- let me take a moment just to read this for you. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, starting with verse number 17. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee? Uh, and she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. I want you to think about that. What did God do? He gave his son. Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode. And he laid him. Did you see that? They laid Christ in a tomb. And he laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and says, O Lord my God, thou hast also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son. And he stretched himself upon the child three times. How many nights and days were Jesus in the tomb? Three And cried unto the Lord and says, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. Now that word in Hebrew is hayah. That word revive is hayah. And it is exactly, almost word for word, exactly what we saw in Merriam-Webster's dictionary at the beginning of the message. Now what happened? And brought him down, and Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, see what happened after Christ came out of the tomb. He manifested himself to his disciples. See, thy son liveth. And the woman said unto Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God. What was it that Thomas said when he put his hand into the prints of his hands, the nail prints in his hands? Now I know that thou art my God. Can you see the perfect reflection here of this something that was dead and now is coming to life again? And and that the word of the Lord came to thy mouth is truth. See, this is a physical example of revival. Now, I worked for many years as a paramedic, and I, I've seen a lot of people that were not 
breathing and not have a heartbeat come back to life. Thank God for that. This is an example that that can happen. God can bring life out of death. Now, there is also a spiritual reflection of this, a spiritual example of this also found in the book of Luke, chapter 15. I want to share with you what that says. Luke, chapter 15, and, uh, and verse number 24. It says, For this my son was dead and is alive again. There is the same word that we saw in Hebrew, the word hayach. In Greek, it is anaseo. And that's what that is right here in Luke 15 and 24. And is alive again, Anaseo. Was the prodigal son dead? No, he wasn't dead. Are you dead in your chair right now in the sanctuary? No, you're not dead. But are you a prodigal? Are you where you should be in your relationship with the Father? Maybe you need, maybe I need an assail. Maybe we need to be revived again so that the Father says, Oh, this my son was dead and is alive again. Put a robe on his back, shoes on his feet, put a ring on his finger, and let's kill the fatted calf. And there's a great celebration. That's what God wants with you. That's what God wants with me this morning. God loves us. Now, there are some necessary actions in order for us to do this thing biblically. Now, I'm through with my introduction, and I'm ready to uh, get into chapter 7. I see you out there. Oh, dear God, is he serious? <laughs> it's not a good thing to take me serious. Uh, rarely, my wife will tell you that. Don't ever take that man serious. Um, let's look at the Word of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, look with me. Let's look at verse number 2. And it came to pass, while the ark abode in kerjath Jerem, that the time was long, for it was 20 years, all the house of Israel, what? Lamented... That word was used over and over a while ago about lamenting in the worship service. They lamented. They saw the ark. They knew it was there, and they lamented after it. Have you ever, how many of you have ever been hungry? <laughs> All of us have been hungry? That's a silly question. How many of you are hungry right now? Ever probably are like, oh, dear you need to hurry up with this. Um, so, you know, we, we used to have this thing, oh, we got to hurry up and get through preaching so we can beat the Baptists to the, to the Brahms, you know. Uh, and I know we got to get out here and go eat lunch, and I myself is included, but listen. When you hunger for something, when you're starving, if you will, and then somebody puts, what's your favorite food? I would all be a different answers, Right? How many men are in here? Raise your hand if you're a man. Raise your hand if you're a man. Put your hand down. Raise your hand if you like steak. Oh, yeah, everybody's hands go up, all the men. So if you're like starving to death and somebody puts fresh off of the grill a sizzling 
ribeye, New York strip, whatever it is, put that on your plate and all those juices are flowing out of it and it's still kind of, you still got that little sizzle going and they put the baked potato out that's got the butter, the sour cream, they got the chives and it's got salt and pepper and it's got all that stuff on it and, 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 and it's right there in front of you and, and, you're, and you're like, if somebody don't give me a fork, I'm just going to die. And you begin to lament after that. Oh, I want that. I need that. I don't have it, but I need it. That's lamenting. And you know what is necessary in order for you or anyone to lament? You have to, number one, is you have to recognize. You have to recognize some things. Number one, recognize that you're hungry recognize that there's something that you're lacking. And along with that recognition comes the fact that there's something that you need and must have, and so therefore you yearn after it. You lament after it because you've recognized that you don't have it and you need it. That's number one. How is your appetite meter this morning for God? Or are you happy? Are you good? No, I'm good. Listen, if you ever say spiritually, no, I'm good, you know what that means? You're not. Because you never should ever be satisfied with your spiritual status. Always hunger and long after more. What is it Matthew 5 says? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness' sake, for they shall be filled. You should always keep that hunger. I've got to hurry. Number two is decide. This is in, in verse number three. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do... Okay, well, there's the decision point right there. You have to decide. What are you going to do this morning? What will be your response this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 7? You're going to stay right where you are and continue on with the same old, same old? Or is it time to quit playing games and let's have revival? I say let's have revival. Let's make that decision. Number three is sanctify. You'll find that in verse number three. Return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods. Listen, if you've got junk in your life, if I've got junk in my life that's not holy, that doesn't represent Jesus, we need to get rid of that. It's not godly. Did you know that you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ? You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You know, ambassadors, they don't have the right and privilege to do and act and say as they want. No, they don't, because they represent a country. They represent a king from a different place. No, we're under his authority. So let's, let's sanctify ourselves. Let's consecrate. That's also in verse number three. And prepare your hearts. Prepare your hearts. Consecrate yourself. How many married couples do we have in the house today? Raise your hand if you're, if you're married. Okay. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Stick them up like corn stalks. I don't like that. I'm kind of married. No. Stick, stick your hand way up in the air. Really tall. Okay. 
Now, if you have two wives or two husbands, keep your hand up. I'm interested here. I got something to tell Chris. No, you don't have more than one husband or one wife. You know why? You'd not survive the day. And you can't handle having two spouses. You can't, not healthily. So why would you want something plus God? No, consecrate yourself to Him and Him only. It's just God. Number five is you've got to unify. Verse six says, and they came together. They came together. They've all got to be in agreement. I asked the question earlier, how many of you want revival here at Trinity Baptist Church? And everybody's hand went up. You know what? That's unity. So we got that one covered. Unify. Before I preached this morning, at least, I don't know how many people called me aside and laid hands and prayed over me this morning. I got text this morning praying for you. Just know that. That's unity. That's a church that's going to go somewhere. Number six, fast and pray. That's in verse six also. You got to fast and pray. You say, well, I can do the praying part. I don't know about the fasting part. That's kind of yucky. Yeah, nobody likes to fast, really, because it goes contrary to the flesh. The flesh doesn't like to fast. But when you fast, that teaches your flesh that your flesh can't do what it wants to. It teaches you discipline, spiritual discipline. you got to fast and pray. Every great revival came with prayer and fasting. Don't take my word for it. Study it. The Great Awakenings, the Welch Revivals, the Second Great Awakening. Study it. It all came with prayer and fasting. And number seven is confession. In verse number six, and we have sinned. You got to just lay it out before God. You can't, you can't have revival and go, God, I want more of you. I want you in my life. I want your presence. I want all this stuff. But I also want my sin. As my daddy used to say, that dog won't hunt. You can't do that. No. It's about telling God, I have this stuff in my life. I'm confessing this. Now help me, God. Help me with it. You're going to get somewhere with that. Now, in closing, I, I got to, what time is it? Oh, I've still got four minutes. Verse number seven. Verse number seven says this. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, what happened? The Philistines came against Israel. Why? Because they were having revival. I got a newsflash for you. When you have revival, the devil's not going to sit around and drink a Dr. Pepper. He's going to come at you. He's going to attack you. You're going to be his enemy. But if you're not in revival, if you're half dead like Stephanie Chambers was, if you're just barely hanging on with your life and you're not causing the, the, the kingdom of darkness any opposition, the devil ain't going to jack with you. He's, not, he's going to leave you alone. But when you have revival, the lords of the Philistines will come against you. Just be aware of that. But that's all right. You know why? Because the subject that lived above the mercy seat 
was the captain of the Lord's host. And Dagon, Mr. Sardine Man, had to fall. Don't be afraid. Oh, yeah. You don't think God will go into the enemy's camp? He will go into the enemy's camp because he's got nothing to fear. He's king of kings and lord of lords. Nothing to fear. He will go to battle with you. He will go to battle for you. He will go to the battle before you. All you got to do is make a decision and come up here and say, God, let's start this. Let's just get it going. This is what I have in my life. And see all this junk? See all this junk in me? See all this junk in my life? Here it is. Take a look at it. Now help me. We're going to have revival if you do that. So the Philistines came against them. Verse number 10. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. And they were smitten before Israel. I told you that God will give you the victory. You've got nothing to fear. You've already got the victory. And finally, verse number 12. Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer. That is the stone of help. Now, Brother Chris mentioned that in chapter 4, verse 1. He mentioned it again in chapter 5 and verse number 1. And now here we have it in chapter 7, Ebenezer. Samuel says, now we've got God in the house. We're having revival. We're all in one place, one accord. We're all unified. We're sanctified. We're consecrated. We got it all going our way. And God thundered against our enemy. We have victory. We're walking in victory. Trinity Baptist Church is having revival. Now let's set up a stone and by George, let's call it Ebenezer this time. Because we missed it in chapter 4. We missed it in chapter 5. But in chapter 7, we're going to have revival. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at trinitytx.org. If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 930 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.